Welcome to the Alpha Girl Confidence Podcast, where we are empowering youth female athletes to play and live confidently. My name is Shay Hatto, and each week I will bring you new episodes to teach you the strategies and tools that you need in order to live a confident, empowered life both on and off the playing field. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Alpha Girl Confidence Podcast. I'm your host, Shay Haddo. And in today's episode, I sat down with Kelsey Edwards, who is an actress, singer-songwriter, entrepreneur, and internet big sis, aka a mentor for girl teenagers. So this episode was so much fun to record. Um, Kelsey had a quite the childhood, which we dove into. She was a childhood actress, which caused a lot of pressure, uh, body dysmorphia, eating disorders, uh, perfectionism. So we dove a lot into that, which I think is going to be super, super helpful for those of you that are listening. Uh, we also dove into uh, how when she left the Mormon church, uh, what kind of courage and trust that required from her. And from there, we really dove into like the importance of trusting your, your gut, trusting your intuition, and really just like leaning into looking inward as opposed to always looking outside of yourself for answers. So this was an amazing episode as you'll, as you'll see in the, the, the conversation, uh, there was a lot of mic drop moments that Kelsey shared. Uh, so I'm really excited for you to check it out. Uh, Kelsey's got a lot of great resources as well. So make sure you check out the show notes below when you're done listening. And I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, Kelsey, what's up? Welcome to the Alpha Real Confidence Podcast. Super excited to have you uh, to dive into your story. I know there's going to be a lot of fun stuff that we're going to be able to pull from, from it. So thanks for coming on. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and chat about all the things. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you wear, you wear a lot of hats, right? Actress, singer, songwriter, entrepreneur, uh, internet, big sis in quotations. Um, so, so I want to kind of hear, let's start from, I guess, I guess your childhood, wherever you want to start. Like, I, I want to hear about, um, you know, kind of what it was like for you, uh, to be a teenage girl, um, the things that you struggle with and we'll kind of just like go from there. I know you have a lot to share. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, my teenage years, I feel like any teen girl can relate. There's like really great parts and there's really not so great parts, you know, um, my teen years were a little bit different. In fact, that I was a child actor. So I was acting and stuff as a teenager, which is fun, but also like has other challenges uh, with it. But, um, yeah, I, I got to, I was in a movie called minor details when I was 14 that like some people knew. And so it was like a very different type of I don't know upbringing at that time but I, I enjoyed it it was really fun um I also did ballroom dance for a while I grew up in San Antonio Texas and then um yeah just acted traveled all over and I I did like at, at one point I developed an eating disorder which we can get into that later but like just a brief summary of like my teenage years were that my parents also got divorced when I was a teenager. We moved to Utah. Like it was like kind of a crazy tumultuous time in my teen years. But yeah. I also learned a lot about um, like anxiety and codependency and, uh, you know, relationships, communication, things like that, that inform the work that I do today. Um, so yeah, good with some not so good, but that's yeah. okay. Cause that's part of life. <laughs> um, before we kind of get into some of the, those parts of, you know, your, upbringing like tell tell us a little bit more just so we have more context about like what what is the work you do today in addition to like acting and you know singing I know like working with with girls like tell us a little bit more about that so we have some context 
Yeah. So like you mentioned, my brand is your internet big sis, and I'm really passionate about creating um, advice videos, but also just being like a big sister figure to girls. Like I didn't have a big sister. I have two awesome brothers, but I never had a big sister. And I always kind of wished that I did um, someone to go to with questions or like problems or can you help me with this, you know? And so that's the role that I hope to fill for girls and my audience. And I talk a lot about like anxiety um, because I deal with anxiety. I talk a lot about ADHD, which is a new discovery. I've realized as an adult that I have ADHD. And so kind of how that impacted me as a teenager without me even realizing it. Yeah. Um, I talk a lot about, yeah, mindset work, um, self-love, self-growth, like uh, confidence, all of these things that are really important skills that I learned you know, a little bit later on in my life that I wish, like, this would have made a big difference for me if I'd known this as a teenager, you know? Right. So, that's, yeah, that's yeah. the idea. <clears throat> you mentioned anxiety, which was also like a big part of a big part of my life. And, you know, something that I talk about a lot, because a lot of the girls I work with and that listen, um, you know, struggle with anxiety at times, like for you, when did that start? And was was the pressure to perform as an actress? Was that was that part of it? I think so. Although it's hard for me to say because I, I've been an actor my whole life. Like I did my first play when I was five. I did my first movie when I was seven. So mm-hmm. I don't really, I don't know anything else. You know what I mean? So to, to, for me to be able to say like, oh, I didn't have anxiety at this point, but now I do. I don't know. But I do think it was always um, just the pressure of like having to perform, the pressure of having to do a good job or like, did I get the role? Did I get rejected? Like rejection was a thing in my life from a very young age, you know, which is it's probably a good thing, but also does anxiety at times yeah the pressure to be accepted the pressure to look a certain way the image um I think my stresses in that arena like developed from you know growing up in the film industry um yeah (laughs) yeah I mean well you mentioned rejection right so whether you're uh an actress a singer an athlete like I mean anyone is going to face rejection but especially in in your line of work, it's like, that's a big, a big part of your work. So how did you, I guess, how did you handle rejection back then? And how do you handle it now? Yeah, well, it's so hard because yeah, as an actor, like you mentioned for, I mean, I've auditioned for things over the course of my life. And like the percentage of what I've actually booked is like so small, like so much smaller, you know, um, like, 20 auditions or 10 auditions or maybe 30 auditions you book like one you know um, the kid that was really hard for me like I I remember when I was a kid I was auditioning to play Greta I think in The Sound of Music I think that's a Gretel Gretel I don't know the younger girl in The Sound of Music and I wanted that role so badly like my heart was so invested in it and I did it went to another girl and I was devastated like I just cried and cried and cried and like and that, that was like initially first like feeling of like this is what rejection feels like but my mom was really good at that and she always taught me like hey as soon as you leave the audition room you forget about it like we don't think about it again and if you book it great and if not that's fine and that's kind of something I've just like adopted ever since then is like I do my best when I walk into that room where I forget about it and of course I'm still not perfect at that you still get your heart invested in the opportunity it's like a dream um but at the end of the day like yeah not yours something else will be the other mindset that I have now everything that's meant for me will always be mine and as long as I'm putting in the work and that that I do put in I can't miss these that are meant for me you know so that's comforting 
I love that. You can't miss opportunities that are meant for you. I think, I think yeah. that's, that's something that people should write in a notebook. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, a lot of times, yeah, it's like you're, you're invested in it and it's important to be invested in the thing that you're going after. And when you're invested, like inevitably it's going to be hard. It's going to be heartbreaking. There's going to be disappointment there, but it's important then to, after that, like, after you feel that to then go on and, you know, take the advice that your mom said, it's like, once we leave, it's like, it's over. It's, you know, it, it obviously, if it didn't happen, then it, then it wasn't meant for you. And it means that, you know, the saying, if one door closes, another one opens and just always remembering that, you know, whether it's a tryout or an audition or, you know, stuff like that. So I think that's, that's really valuable. And, um, the other thing you mentioned too, and we can kind of get into, you know, the eating disorder, eating disorder a little bit is like the pressure to look a certain way. And that's definitely true for, you know, actresses, performers, uh, you know, different sports, gymnasts, runners, um, figure skaters, like those kind of sports, like it's a lot of the time you're judged on your appearance. So like mm -hmm. when, when did you start to feel that? Um, and I know maybe you won't remember, but when did you start to feel that pressure that, oh, I have to look a certain way in order to like get these roles? Yeah, it was young. I mean, it was as young as like seven because there was a girl, I was a little bit like a, a heavier child I like chunkier I was never like you know yeah. overweight but I was definitely chunkier kid I, I was in a movie when I was seven and I, I was up for the lead role of the, of the younger girl and I didn't it was between me and her and I didn't book it and partially it's because in my they wanted me to scream like I was being trapped and I just went like ah so that's what I did then I kept because of that but also because I think I was a bit chunkier than she was I think there was a realization in my brain like she's smaller than me like I wonder if that's why I didn't book it you know um and then yeah as a 10 year old I was in another movie where I was the lead and I remember really hurting and thinking oh it looks so fat or whatever so like really it was on my mind at a young age and I started like dieting and like starting to lose weight at like the age of 12 and 13. Wow <laughs> really young I mean, yeah. how did, how did that like, oh, just overall, I guess, affect your confidence and just how you felt about yourself, like your self-love? It, it's horrible. Having, having a disordered brain that is, is awful because there's the body dysmorphia. You see yourself a certain way. Um, you don't like yourself and it's almost like there's nothing you can do to like, like yourself more. It's like, you're just like constantly beating yourself up like I was like my own number one bully you know just right so like it's like it's never enough right like it's it's mm -hmm. always kind of like like you're chasing this I guess the chasing this perfection that's just not attainable yeah playing games with myself like how little can I eat today or how many calories can I burn today and like if I didn't do a good job I'd be mad at myself or you know it's it like but again it's that's like a disordered eating brain yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't view things the same way, you know? So it's sad, but yeah. I, I will, how, how did you then, um, kind of move through that? Did like, did you get professional help or like, talk to us a little bit how you move through that? And, and I guess just any advice for any girl that not necessarily has an eating disorder, but someone that just, yeah, kind of has some body dysmorphia and is, you know, chasing this perfect body that is, you know, not, not possible. Yeah. Well, I think one would would have helped me at the time if I'd known was is is pretty normal. It's yeah. it's not a great thing, but it's there's nothing wrong with you, you know, like 
it's, it's common we are in a society that like pushes this information on us pushes these expectations on us and so for you to perceive things this way and wait whatever there's nothing wrong with you like it's um because i so alone and so isolated in my experience and like nobody understood me you know but i i did it's because i actually did not seek professional help but i just and this was like you know like a decade ago or more like almost like 15 years ago almost and so the resources available were different then times were different then we weren't as aware of eating disorders and mental health and therapy and anxiety and ADHD and all of these things now now we have resources and so if it was a different like if it was happening now it'd be a completely different story I would have a therapist I'd have probably gone to like you know some sort of outpatient or right. something like that you know um and if there are any people listening that are struggling with this like it is not a weakness to get help. It's actually a sign of strength. It's a huge sign of strength to say, hey, I've got and I need help with it. Um, so that would be one of my my main things. What how did I turn it around? Um I think I I didn't fully understand how dangerous it was. That's that's the truth. I was so obsessed with this idea of being skinny, all my skinny friends, all my, you know, tiny friends who were thin as a board and I never was, that that was the only thing I cared about. And um, I realized, like, I came across this website where it was, like, a bunch of candles lit on the screen. This was, like, 2007 or 8 or whatever. And, like, like cheesy, like, windows candles floating on the screen. And the people who had family members that had died from an eating disorder, from, like, anorexia specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hit me. I was just, like, whoa. I didn't, I didn't realize that this was something that. I could lose my life over and nothing is worth that, you know? And so that kind of like really put the switch for me. And I kind of just committed myself to healing, committed myself to changing my relationship with food, focusing on how can I eat healthy food and like take care of my body instead of, you know, like how little food. And then a gradual realized that like I could change my relationship with food and I could trust it and it wasn't like going to hurt me, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think the really important thing is like you said, like asking for help is like, is it's a strength, you know, it takes courage. And that's something like looking back on, you know, my experience with anxiety uh, is like, I I didn't ask for help. Um, I didn't know how, Um, just like you said, with the eating disorder, it's like mental health wasn't something that was really, you know, talked about, you know, back in the the nineties, early two thousands. Um, and you know, I asked my mom, like, if there was anything you could have done differently to help me, like, what would it be? And she'd like, well, I would have like, you know, gotten you help. And so just knowing, like knowing that I wasn't alone would have been an absolute game changer Mm -hmm. because same with you, I thought that I was alone and I thought that there was something wrong with me. Um, and that was just so like isolating and just, just made, made everything, way worse and made it seem like, you know, I, I can't talk to someone because there's something wrong with me and something to be, you know, ashamed of and embarrassed about. So I think it's just so important for, you know, girls listening to hear that, whether it doesn't matter what you're struggling with, um, to just ask for help, like find that person that you can just like, you know, share, share what you're feeling, share what you're going through. Um, so yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that story. I know, I know it's, you know, um, going to help a lot of girls because whether they're, you know, going through something like that or similar to that. Um, so mm-hmm. for you, like, 
like when you kind of came through that, um, mentally, I guess, when did you start to like, like fully accept and love yourself and your body? Like, did it take a while, like into adulthood to kind of get to that point of like, I fully love and accept my, myself and my body, or were you able to kind of like, I guess, get there fairly quickly after, you know, healing from your eating disorder? You know, that's the tough thing. I would say it's ongoing. Yeah, no, totally. (laughs) You know, I'm like, I'm an adult and I still can't fully say like every day that I love and accept my body. It's like, there are days when I do and there are days when I don't, you know, and that's just the honest truth. And I feel like it's an ongoing adventure for the rest of us. And I, I also hope that that helps, you know, a girl feel seen. And like, there's a lot of, um, body positive influences on the internet, which I'm so pro, but they, it's almost like this idea of like, you can love your body and like, just love it. And it's just easy and just, yeah. you know, right. right. <laughs> Wait, but like, what about this? What about this? Or like, I, I'll feel like I love my body. And then all of a sudden I'll have like, you know, a Victoria's secret model or something flashed across my screen. And I'm like, cool. Like, I'm never going to be that, you know? And then like all the, you know, hype about loving my body is gone. So it's just like, I guess it's just really acknowledging that it's a process and it's ongoing and every day might be like a challenge or every day might be great. It's and just taking that for what it is and not like expecting yourself to be perfect at it, you know? Yeah. I love that. It It is a process just like trying to become more confident or whatever. It's like, it, yeah. there's, there's not like this, like end destination, like I've made yeah. here. So I, I, I love that your response to that, just that honest response. Um, and, and you mentioned, you know, when something flashes across your screen, like when we were growing up, we, we didn't really have like social media. Uh, MySpace came on when I was, I don't know, like in high school, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. but, but like that's, it's so now, um, it's just a completely different game with social media because you not even social media, but TV, like you, you tap on one thing and all of a sudden your thoughts can spiral and, you know, go to, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm, I'm not skinny enough or whatever. Like mm-hmm. how, how do you, um, encourage girls to use social media in a way where they're not going to kind of go down that like comparison rabbit hole? Yeah, that's a great, a great question. I mean, I think one of the default answers is like, I, I don't follow anybody that, that I might feel triggered by. Um, you know, if I'm noticing like certain things coming up or hatred or not, you know, hatred or dislike or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, that's not necessarily something I need in my space. Having said that though, it's also, <clears throat> I try to look very closely at what triggers me and ask myself why, you know, because anytime you're upset or triggered by something outside of you, it's usually just a mirror of something going on inside, right? So it's like, that's a question I want to know. It's like, okay, this is interesting. You're consistently being triggered or upset by X, Y, and Z, like this thing. What is it about you that you don't feel is good enough? Like, what is it revealing to me? And so rather than just like, eliminating all possible triggers from my field, I try to understand them and ask myself questions about it and dig into it um, so that I can heal it. Because I, I don't want to be triggered by the same stuff all the time. Right. Just, you know, removing it isn't healing it. It's just like not looking at it, you know? So anyways, that's that's a bit of a different uh, answer, but I think it's important to do both because, um, yeah, I think the healing aspect is just as much important as like the avoiding aspect, you know? No. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, so number one, yeah. Kind of cleaning up, cleaning up your space, cleaning up your surroundings, your followers. It's like, if someone triggers you then, and it doesn't, you don't feel good when you're looking at their stuff. Yeah, sure. Unfollow or mute or whatever the options are. But I love how you said, like, 
to ask yourself like, well, why do I feel this way? And you're like seeking to understand so that you're not just like burying your head in the sand, but you're really trying to figure out what is it within me? Cause I a million percent agree with you that whatever you're feeling on the outside is an indication of, you know, something that you're, you know, feeling on the inside, it's just a mirror. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that's it's in it, it when you do feel triggered, think of it as like, okay, great. This is an opportunity for me to see what I'm feeling that maybe I haven't looked at before. So that's brilliant. I love that. Thanks. Yeah. It's an opportunity to learn, you know, and it's an opportunity to understand more about yourself and the world around you. <laughs> so thanks for the trigger, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks triggers. Bring them yeah. on. But yeah, it's, it's like this balance of like, like you don't want to be like, have all the triggers around you because then it would be hard. So it's like, you got to, I guess, filter so that you can handle the triggers one at a time, as opposed to like all at once. Right. Well, and I think it's like being selective too, about like, which am I willingly subjecting myself to lots of pain and stress? Or is it like, you know, in that case, then I probably wouldn't follow said person. But if there's someone that's popping up on my feed, that's like, just doing their thing, like posting something that doesn't really affect me, and I'm triggered by it you know, then, then it's on me to ask myself like, okay, what's going on for you? You know? So yeah, I think it's like you said, it's definitely a balance. It's like, how can I, how can I learn, but also not uh, put my nervous system like into whack, you know, constantly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I, I want to get down into like your, your later years in life. Um, and we both connected on this and you're like, I didn't know that you were an ex-Mormon. So for those of you listening, I'm an ex-Mormon. Kelsey's an ex-Mormon. Uh, so we have, we have that in common. And so, okay. You left the church. It was, it was not that long ago, right? Like less than 2019. Five. Yeah. Okay. 2019. Okay. So four years ago. Um, okay. So, and the reason why I want to bring this up is because leaving the church or leaving, uh, I don't know, like anytime you're kind of going against the grain of what your, what beliefs you were raised in or that kind of thing. I think it takes a lot of courage and it takes a whole lot of trust in yourself to go against the grain and possibly disappoint a lot of people in your family that love you. And so I I would, I would love to hear a little bit about, um, I guess the, like how you got, hmm, not the conclusion, but like how you came to, being like, okay, this isn't for me. I'm going to, I'm going to leave. And like, what kind of like trust did that, or did you need within yourself to be able to do that? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, as you know, leaving, leaving a religious organization like that is incredibly difficult. Um, and like, I don't know the di- the demographics of your listeners or, you know, if anyone that's listening is a part of religion or anything like that. But for me, I, started to realize as a teenager, like I mentioned earlier, I, I believe I have ADHD, which manifested itself differently as a teenager. I was very, um, like hyper fixated on the church. Like I was super, um, obsessed with it. Like they call it scrupulosity where you're just like hyper religious, hyper righteous, hyper obedient. You know, I, I was super, uh, by the book, very, like it controlled every aspect of my life. And I think that's, that's why I've, it's important to understand that part of me because I, it just, it meant everything to me. I believed so deeply, so strongly. And it, it was like my entire identity. Um, and so that, as I grew older, I, well, first off, I served a mission for the Mormon church, which is like an, an, a year and a half thing where you go away and you teach the gospel to people that don't know about it. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar. 
And I started having questions on my mission a little bit because I was teaching at the forefront. I was in Alabama. Um, there's a lot of members of different churches there, a lot of different belief systems. And I was born and raised in Texas, so it's not like it was a you know shock. But just being at the forefront of answering questions and stuff all the time brought up some questions for me. And then I, when I was in college, um, I went to BYU, which is the, a, a Mormon church, a Mormon school, sorry. Um, and I went to Europe for like the first time with a friend for like five weeks, I think. And we did a backpacking trip there. And that was my first time out of the country on my own with so much like freedom and space. And I think I had lived in this restrictive box, this like Mormon box that I had put myself in my whole life. That to be in a space where I had so much freedom and like openness was just like, (laughs) (laughs) what have I been missing, you know? Um, and so, so anyways, that really shifted my worldview on a lot of things. That's, I was in college, but I started to be an entrepreneur and go back to acting and music and filmmaking. Then I also decided that that's when I didn't want to be part of the church anymore. Mm. But even then it was like an unlearning process. That was in 2017. I didn't actually leave until 2019. So two more years were going on, but you know, the short answer is that I basically like, I felt like my worldview no longer matched the church's worldview. Like I just couldn't box myself into what they've taught anymore. Right. And that's hard because yeah, it requires a lot of confidence to be able to say like, this is all I've known. This is all I believe. This has controlled every single part of who I was my entire life, but I'm choosing to make a different decision now. And that's a risk and I may regret it, but I have to make what I have to make the decision that feels right in my soul, you know, right now. So. Yeah. I mean, that's like so incredibly hard to go from like, like you said, it was your identity. It's like what you're, it's just like, it's ingrained in you, you know, like it's just so ingrained in you. And then to get to the point to be like, you know, I trust what my heart is telling me over what I've been told over and over and over and over again for my entire life. Like that is really hard and it takes so much conviction in your, in yourself and your ability to make decisions So like for me, it was a lot different in the sense of um, I I wasn't as, as Molly Mormon as we'll call it. Like I went through a short, (laughs) a short Molly Mormon phase, but like when my parents got divorced, um, everyone kind of went their separate ways. And then in college, it was just a slow fading out for me. And then being gay just was like, well, I'm not in the church anymore. It was just like, it was easy for me in that. Right. But still it was like the whole disappointing, uh, at the time, like my mom's the only one that still practices in her and her parents. Um, but for you, like how, how was it for you kind of like going? Cause I'm pretty sure your mom still practices, right? Yeah. So how was that for you? Um, to like, be like, you know, I I'm, I'm probably going to really disappoint my, my parents or my mom. Um, but I, I can't like keep people pleasing anymore. Like, what was that like for you? That's the hardest part, honestly, because yeah, you just nailed it. Like I was a complete people pleaser. I just wanted other people to like me. I wanted to be, you know, a good, good girl, whatever. So yeah. disappointing my mom was, I mean, that was my biggest fear. And and it, it was not always easy. It still isn't easy sometimes, but she like worked really hard at being able to understand. But I guess I just had to, I don't know, as a kid, it's so hard when you're making decisions that your parents don't agree with, but you just it requires like an understanding on both sides. Like I know that I am not exactly what you thought I would turn out to be. And I can sympathize with you for the pain that you're feeling. And then on the flip side, hoping that your parent will respect you as an adult or a teenager and understand, like I have the freedom to make my own decision for my own life. So 
um yeah it hasn't been easy but it's like it's one step at a time and then finding the nuance where you can you know love each other relate to each other we don't talk about certain things you know we have boundaries around certain conversations yeah she respects my beliefs I respect hers you know yeah you're like you have to create those boundaries otherwise can get crazy. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I learned that over the last couple of years that, yeah, it's like with, yeah, I mean, in the world, there's so much, um, you know, especially with social media d- divisiveness and, and polarity with, you know, different beliefs. And it's just so important, like to, to be able to step into someone else's shoes and to be, you know, compassionate and like, Hey, if you believe what you believe, that's beautiful. Like I'm not here to, to change your mind. Like, I want you to do what makes you happy. Um, and Hey, this is, this is what makes me happy and my beliefs and your beliefs. It doesn't mean that we can't love each other and still have an amazing relationship. Um, so I, I think that's just awesome. And, and from what I saw, when I went and stalked your Instagram, like <laughs> you, you wrote a song about leaving the church. Right. And like the, the moment where you and your mom listened to it, I thought that was, that was really, really beautiful. Um, so yeah, I, what was it like, like writing that song? And and uh, and I'll link the song in the show notes so everyone can listen because it's beautiful. You have a beautiful voice. Um, but yeah, what was it like writing that song? Was was it really tough for you, or or did it kind of just ooze out of you? Yeah. So what's funny is the writing of it, like like flowed very naturally. I was on a plane to like Singapore, and I was singing at this gala over there, and I was like, my life, like I'm doing the things I've always dreamed of right now. Like I'm so grateful. And yet, from the teachings that I was born and raised in, because I am not doing X, Y, and Z thing, things shouldn't be going so well for me. You know, like that's kind of the teaching. Totally. (laughs) Right? You're like, like, wait a second. I always thought that I can't be happy if I don't have this thing in my life. I don't. I'm super happy. So that's kind of like where it came from was um, that inspiration of feeling this joy for this thing. And I wrote it on the plane. And it just like, it was one of those things that just like, oh wow I just finished that song you know and um, then I brought it to my music producer like maybe a year or so later and we kind of rewrote some sections to make it flow as a story and um but I sat on it for like a while I wrote it at the beginning of 2020 and then I didn't even release it until the end of 2022 so it was one of those songs that I was like this is going to change everything people will change the way they view me up until this point I had only been known as a super good righteous Mormon girl I've also been um, in a lot of the churches' ads, campaigns. I've been an actor in tons of their projects. Um, I was like an influencer in a lot of their big, whatever, like Christmas campaigns. So very publicly facing, you know, Mormon. And so I was terrified. But um, honestly, releasing that song is probably the best thing I've ever done because it has made it very clear, like, who's on my team and who's not. Like, who is here to celebrate, yeah, all the versions of you and who isn't. And that's that's the power I think. And this is what I learned is that's the power of authenticity is the power of just being the most you, you can be. And are you going to lose some people? Yeah. Are some people not going to agree with you? Yeah. But like, there are so many other people, new connections, new friendships, new relationships that will form from you being the most you, you can be that you would have never had if you just stayed in the middle ground and tried to please everybody and make everybody like you, you know, that's, it's not realistic and it's not, you're not going to find your people that way. So that's, I think that's my most powerful takeaway from that experience well that was an absolute mic drop moment right there <laughs> I'm just like sitting here smiling like it was good <laughs> thank you it was yeah. hard it was so hard so many people were super negative about it too but like I just 
that there's like a barrage of feedback for like six months and I was like oh my gosh I just need people to go away you know I felt like crawling to a hole but yeah I mean you said something that really stirred something up in me where I was like you got to find those people that love you for you not love you for for your beliefs you know what I mean like that's that's so huge and when you lose those people because they don't love you um for you it's like yes it's hard but you just got to like take that and be like all right like they were never meant to like be in my life because they don't love me when I'm just completely me like stripped down bare down none of the you know none of the trinkets and stuff that's attached to me and the identities um (laughs) yeah I mean so the identity piece like yeah for you it was crazy because you were so public facing and like people knew you as that you knew you as that how did you like what was the process for you to kind of like form this new identity so to say yeah, I mean, that's like an ongoing thing too, but I think it's um it's about gaining like the ability to trust yourself. And when when you're raising a religion like this where it is not about uh checking inward, it's about checking outward, right? It's like how can I am I good enough? Like your bishop like do I get to go into the temple? Do I get to go do these things? Like you're asking somebody else constantly, am I good enough? It really takes a lot of effort to like start to trust yourself and your own internal, like, I don't know, intuition, I guess, like, even, even our intuition is not labeled our intuition, it's labeled something called the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Yeah, you have to like, it's, I don't know how to summarize this, but it's just like an ongoing process of asking myself, experimenting, like, hey, is it okay if I do this thing? And then I do it. And then I like, see the results. Like, how do I feel about this? Do I like this experience? Yes or no? Do I like the way I felt after this? Yes or no. And then trusting, like, once you have a solid enough, once you have enough evidence that you can make solid decisions without having to check with everybody else around you, you gain more and more confidence in each decision that you make. And then you gain more and more confidence in your intuition, your own, like, internal sense of knowing. And then you just know, like, I I can do this. Like, I can, I can trust myself. I can make good decisions. But it doesn't come until you start making them. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. You can't just like journal your way to doing that. It's, it's it's just, it's, it's kind of like a skill, right? Like you, you have to practice it, you have to test it. And I think that's so huge. Like, you know, going inside and and asking yourself as opposed to going and asking everyone and their dog, like, Hey, what should I do? Or who should I be? Or what should I believe? Um, Because the more you do that, the just the more confused you get, you know, it's, it's like, are you made up of other people's beliefs or are you made up of your own? Like that's, that's so huge. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Retweet, man. There's (laughs) there's so much good stuff in here. Um, Yeah. I, I I love that. And it really is about just like testing, I guess. Yeah. Testing your own intuition be like, all right, that went well. (laughs) Let's let's do it again. Yeah. And once you know that you have like a solid internal compass, it's like, you can start to trust it. Like, I think I, I think my instincts are pretty good. Like, I think I, I've made I have enough evidence and X, Y, and Z thing that I've made good decisions that I think I can do it again, you know, but yeah, it's a muscle. It's a skill. Just like, you know, athletes have to train your muscles. Like you got to train that intuition and that skill. And especially if you weren't taught to, like you really have to, you know, test the waters with it, but it's really rewarding too. And I mean, just like, you know, as an athlete, like when you do go and, you know, decide you're going to do something 
because that's, you know, what you got from your intuition and it doesn't go well, that doesn't mean like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm never going to trust myself again. And I'm, you know, it's the same thing as like a practice, you practice, 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 and the game doesn't go well. Like, it doesn't mean that you're, you're flawed or you can't trust yourself. It's just like, it's, 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 uh, information and a lesson for you to then next time make a different decision. And, and, and it can be hard too, to trust your intuition. Like I, I'm curious for you, well, you'd have to say about this, like trusting your intuition and, and being able to decipher what is my intuition versus what are the old maybe thoughts and patterns and beliefs more in the mind. Like, how do you kind of separate those? And do you ever, like for me, sometimes I have a hard time being like, wait, is this my my old beliefs talking or is this like my intuition? Do you ever have that like kind of muddiness? Yeah, it, ha- it happens a lot for sure. I mean, especially since I'm still relatively new out of the church. Like it's, and unless you've been in it, it's hard to understand, but it is literally a program. Everything about your belief system is programmed. Like you're programmed from being a baby. Like literally I was a baby in this. So it's, um, yeah, I definitely still have moments where it's like, wait, was that an old identity talking? Was that an old belief system talking? And then I kind of just do like a gut check, like what in my gut feels right. Like if I were to ignore all the teachings that I was, you know, given my whole life and I were to just ask like Kelsey, what do you think? It's sometimes like, you know, you have to silence everything outside, go into like a meditative state and ask yourself, you know, but I still have those questions all the time, you know, especially with like, um, things like, you know, I don't know, health and like, um, I don't know, like even just like sex and things like that. Like, I I don't know how much you talk about that on this podcast, but I think, I think that just knowing how to take care of your body, what positions, like how to, you know, I don't know what risk you would take or what risk you don't feel good about how to make sure you're safe, how to make sure you're not putting yourself in a like harmful situation, that kind of thing. Like I'm always asking myself those questions and I'm wondering like, where is this coming from? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I do the same. Like I'll have girls come up to me like, I can't decide like what, what team to, to go on or what school to go to and, and that kind of stuff. And I always lean more into the, all right, like get quiet, close your eyes, like, and just like feel into like I used to be completely all right. Make a pros and cons list. Like yeah, that, yeah, that used to be me, and it was so logical and so uh, rooted in like you know other people's opinions and stuff. But now it's like okay, if you have to make that tough decision, like like go inward, uh, close your eyes, and just like feel like imagine both situations and like which one like feels better. Like when do you feel like your body is constricting and all tense, and when do you feel like there's a, a bit of lightness like in your heart and in your stomach and, and stuff like that. So, and I know this stuff is kind of hard to talk about because it's like, it's not really tangible, so to say, um, right? Like trying to put words to it. But yeah, I think that's just so important to, you know, when you do have decisions to make to kind of just get into that clear space without the noise and just kind of like feel into like, what what do I want? Um, so yeah, yeah I, I think that's good. Um, all right. One of my, one of my last questions for you. Um, I know obviously you're, you're the internet big sis, which I wish I would have had. Um, so <laughs> I, I would love to hear more about, I know you have like a new course called squad goals, right? Mm-hmm. So I'd love to hear more about that. Um, and kind of like why you created that, what it's all about, and then we'll, we'll link everything so everyone can check it out too. Thank you. Yeah. So squad goals is something that I like had a blast making. I just, I kept talking to girls and their parents and like trying to understand like what are the biggest problems that your girls are facing right now and they were talking about how like their daughters are always left out like they're always like I don't feel included I don't feel like 
my friends are hanging out without me or like I open up Snapchat and I see like all my friends on the snap map or whatever it's called yeah. like and I'm not with them you know yeah. and it's like wow for, finding good friends at that age is really hard and I struggled with that a lot as a teenager like finding solid friendships that were consistent and gave the same energy back that I gave and anyways all that to say that that's kind of what what led to creating squad goals it's all about how to find and keep the right or good friends and then how to let go of friends that are not really the best fit for you anymore yeah. um so and we talked a lot about some of the things we've talked about in this like how to trust your intuition how to know yourself how to know like what do I like what's important to me and really getting good with yourself so that you can attract people that you know are similar to you if you don't know yourself you're not going to know what type of friend you're looking for um you know what kind of values and things you bring to a friendship so that you can have the same thing we also talk a lot about like codependency because I didn't realize as a teenager growing up in a broken home my dad left all these things like really created like some sort of codependency in me where I was looking to other people for value and for security and for belonging but like if you put your friendships that way you know it's going to be hard to maintain them so it's a lot about like how to build up yourself and how to have self-love from the inside out so that you yeah. can bring that to your relationships and your friendships and have them be stronger. So. Yeah. And I lied. I'm going to ask you a- another question because I know we didn't really <laughs> the friendships and relationship stuff. We just, there's just so much to cover. Um, I know. <laughs> like, there's, there's a lot of girls that I work with that are like, you know, I'm having a hard time with my, my friend, like she's talking bad about other people and which means she's probably talking bad about you, you know, and just like, it's the, they're at a point where they want to let go of the friendship, but they just like, don't know how to do that. Like, what advice, and I know there's so many situations similar to this, like what advice would you give to girls listening that maybe, you know, are, are needing or wanting to let go of some friendships, but just don't really know how to do that? Yeah, it's so hard. I mean, that's, that's like a tough thing. A friendship ending is always painful. It's a relationship, you know, but um, I think the question, and I have like this test in squad goals as well. It's, it's in like one of the last modules is there's a test. It's like, how do I feel when I'm with this person? Like, do I feel better about myself? Do I feel like happier when I leave this person? Do I feel like this person supports me? Do I like consistently, do I feel like I can be the best version of me? Or do I feel like I have to shrink and hide parts of myself? Um, and if, if all of those answers are like in, negative, then it's like, well, this may not be the best friend for me. And usually like, I always, I recommend this in the course too, but it's like before you make the decision to end a relationship or a friendship or whatever, it's smart to have a conversation about it. Like nobody wants to be blindsided or like, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. but you can talk with your friend and and use communication skills, which we also go over in the course. Like I feel statements and this is how, this is how I've been feeling, um, you know, and basically trying to understand like how the other person feels and get on the same page to see if this is an issue that can be resolved or if, if it's not like if it's just broken it's broken and that's okay like I have had many friendships end over the years and even though it still makes me sad I'm also so grateful for those phases those people those journeys that we had and the way that each person shaped me in different chapters of my life and um once you have that perspective like it's it's okay to say goodbye to a friend and thank them for the journey and for the time that you had together um so but also on that note sorry I'll add this too is that I've also learned now as an adult that it's really important that not all of your friends have to be everything. Like totally. we all, like, right? Like we, yeah. we, it's okay to have different friends with different strengths. Like I have some friends that are going to be my number one cheerleader, no matter what I do, they're always going to stand by my side and cheer me on. I have other friends that are like, 
always going to be there if I want to like go grab lunch or like always, you know, going to be like my silly meme friend or like my bachelorette friend or you know what I mean? yeah. <laughs> like, it's okay if they're not the same and it's okay if like one person doesn't fulfill everything for you too. So I, I will add that caveat before you decide like, well, this person won't get lunch with me, you know, it's like, <laughs> well, maybe they're supporting you in other ways. So. Yeah. That's your dinner person. Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that's, that's really good. Yeah. I th- thank you for sharing that. Um, I think, yeah, this is definitely one of the, the things around the socials and, you know, friendship and relationships that I think girls struggle with the most, one of the things. Um, so definitely guys go check out squad goals. Um, incredibly valuable. I, I already checked out like the, the page for it. So we'll link that below. <laughs> Um, and then where can people connect with you on, I know you're on Instagram, anywhere else where, where people can find you connect with you? Yeah, I'm on all social media, pretty much um, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Uh, it's at Kelsey Marie, wow, Kelsey Marie Edwards on Instagram and TikTok, Kelsey Edwards on YouTube. But honestly, if you, if you just search Kelsey Edwards, you'll probably find all of my socials and stuff like that pop up. So beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kelsey, for coming on. Uh, Awesome conversation that I know is going to help a lot of girls out there. So I appreciate your time. And uh, we might have to have you back for a round two where we dive more into the relationship stuff. Uh, There's so much to talk about. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for having me. This has been awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Kelsey.